Let's have a good show. Love Talk Radio. Wednesday, February 2nd, 2011. Today's topic is quality assurance. Call monitoring your agents will love. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. And here's how you do it. You can email us at brian at benchmarkportal.com or chat with us on calltalk.tv. And if you're listening on the phone or just close to one, call in at 347-857-3117. Make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll do my best to get you in. Everyone who asks a question on the show today, whether through email or phone, will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best. And one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality benchmarking report valued at $1,500. I'd like to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv at any time of the day. And now, I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. As Brian mentioned, today's topic is quality assurance. Call monitoring your agents will love. Today, we have brought in an expert on the topic for you, Lisa Corteau. And by the way, Lisa wins the prize for the most vowels in the last name. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> well, she's a graduate of St. Cloud State University, and after several years of working as a news reporter in St. Cloud, then the Saint, then the, the clouds parted and Lisa saw the light and began her career in the call center industry, where she's remained for over two decades. She has 15 years of experience implementing and managing call quality improvement initiatives And most recently, Lisa's managed the call quality practices and training initiatives for over a dozen programs at Carlson Marketing Worldwide. She was responsible for introducing and implementing a call quality evaluation program and onboarding new monitoring technology. So she really has a 360-degree view of this. She increased the productivity of the quality team by over 45%, and created an environment where the agents actually look forward to and appreciate receiving performance feedback, really the holy grail of this whole area. Lisa's been a featured speaker on quality monitoring and has also been a presenter at the incoming Call Center Management National Conference. She's currently collaborating with industry expert Dane Peterson on a Call Quality Monitoring Program Best Practices Workshop. So it's my real pleasure to welcome Lisa Corteau. Well, thank you, Bruce. It certainly is a pleasure to be here and uh, just have a chance to talk with you about uh, what I've been doing for the past two decades. Okay. No, we're really happy to have you on board. And, and Lisa, I think we all know that quality monitoring programs are really an essential element of good call center operations. And uh, since you spent so much time in your career with these practices, I, I just wanted to ask you, what led you to focus on this aspect of call center operations? Well, you know, Bruce, it actually came about because of some frustrations that I was having as a training manager. You know, supervisors would come up to me and say, you know, we really need some training on customer service soft skills, but they really couldn't give me any specifics regarding what kind of skills or behaviors that were lacking. Um, You know, so I would generate a, a general skills training class, and I'd have these agents in the classroom, and they'd look up at me and go, 
well, I already do this stuff. You know, why am I even in this classroom? So, you know, far be it for me as the training facilitator to say, well, your supervisor says you don't do this or that, you know. So I went back to the supervisors and I said, well, let's look at the quality program and found it really wasn't a well-designed program. So the first step I took was actually just to redesign the form in an effort to help the supervisors really specifically identify what skills and behaviors were lacking. And uh, that allowed me then to customize some training modules and then also measure the effectiveness of my training. Um, so, you know, actually that was my first step into the quality arena and that was a pretty easy problem to solve compared to some of the challenges that we face today. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned the supervisors and it comes up again and again in call talk just how much of a linchpin they are in terms of making sure that the agents are as good as they can be and making sure that the communication inside the call center is is uh is done well and 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 let's face it in this case you know who likes to be criticized if you are going into a monitoring situation or a coaching situation and you feel like you're being criticized that that just doesn't feel good so i'm, I'm sure you've come up with some uh, you know techniques or some thoughts on how to best do that could you share that with us absolutely i think one of the challenges that you face is the first introduction in a new agent in a call center gets to quality assurance is when somebody comes to them and puts a form in front of their face and says, here's your score. Um, so it, it's kind of, you know, who wants who wants that? You know, you're you're under so much pressure when you start as a new agent anyway, and that just encourages that whole big brother kind of environment where, you know, the agents are saying you knew, you're too nitpicky, you're, you're just looking for you know, things that I'm doing wrong. So you really need to get in front of those agents immediately when they come in the door. I mean, I'm a big one for always saying, look and use what you have around you. One of the big things that's with call centers is they usually have a high attrition rate. So you have mm -hmm. ample opportunity all the time when you have new people coming in to get in front of them and really introduce the kind of culture around your program that's going to build that appreciation. Right. And that culture really needs to be one where the agent is seen as a resource to be developed and improved for their own good as well as the good of the company and not just somebody to be criticized for their faults. Isn't that so? Oh, absolutely. I know you you have to also be careful with how you approach it when you even with the terminology. Um one of the greatest successes that I've seen is when the quality monitoring team didn't introduce themselves or come across as a quality assurance team because just those words can kind of put pressure on someone. It's like, oh, it's quality, it's quality assurance. You're going to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What they did is they changed their name, and they called mm -hmm. themselves the Skills Enhancement Team. I mean, mm -hmm. what can be better? You're a new agent. You're sitting there maybe first two weeks in a training class. Someone comes in and says, hey, I'm on the Skills Enhancement Team, and I'm here, and my only job is to make sure that you are successful. I mean, it just mm -hmm. puts a whole, totally different perspective on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Right. Well, you know, I think sometimes the words really can make a huge difference. In fact, uh, and, and I, you know, we like to uh, throw Molotov cocktails into the industry every once in a while. One of the things that I have suggested is that in some cases, supervisor might be changed to agent advocate. In other oh, words, you are really there to advocate for your agent to develop them as much as possible if there's a uh, uh, a pay-for-performance component to their pay, then you're there to help them make as much as possible. 
And if not, uh, then you're there to help them get the best quality scores possible so that they do well for their end-of-the-year review. Uh, and and you know, just sort of changing, and also changes the mindset of the supervisor, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think with a quality program, you can really use that to your advantage. I mean, if you're going to be take all this time and you're going to you know, have this form and evaluate the agents, well, make sure that form is set up and it's aligned with what performance evaluations are. Performance evaluations usually end up resulting in some sort of a, a pay increase, hopefully, for most individuals. So if you can say, you know what, we're going to have this quality program. If you do these things, this is what we expect, this is what you're going to get reviewed on, and this is what your pay increase is going to be based off of. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful buy-in from an agent perspective. Right. And, and I, it gets very personal, too. You know, I think it's almost the sort of thing where uh, if we have any supervisors listening or, or even managers who are talking continually to their supervisors, when that agent looks into the eyes, of the supervisor or agent advocate, what do they see? Do they see someone who is trying to, you know, tamp down on them or somebody who is trying to develop them? Uh, and it's really that important. When they look into your eyes, what do they see? You know, and uh, what do they feel when they hear what you have to say? Uh, I think that's really, really so important. And, you know, another aspect of it, too, is keeping it fresh for your long-term agents. So even though you're, you're, there's obviously a huge element of making sure that your uh, new agents take this uh, relationship, this coaching, uh, this advocacy in the right way. There's also the fact that you have long-term agents who are maybe B, B-plus type folks, and for whom keeping this fresh has to be a very big task for a lot of supervisors. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa? Well, that's where it's important that you really make sure that the agents also understand what the strategy is behind the quality program you've got in place. They need to be able to see that what I'm doing is going to make a difference and that what I'm doing is really aligned with what the company is trying to accomplish as well. You know, they, you move them with a more long-term agent, you've got to kind of move them out from, you know, this is just you listening to my calls to see how I'm doing into, well, what is this doing overall for the organization? And that's where communication is so key as well. And you also need to get into more of that recognition, recognizing where do you have these senior agents and, and utilizing them. I mean, they've got the, the experience on the phone. What can you pull out of them? What other aspect from a QA perspective can they provide? Maybe they're the group that you go to to help get, you know, the trending. What are the customer insights, you know? What do you see that's different now than it was maybe six months ago? Expand your QA program into utilizing that kind of experience to keep them engaged in what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. And uh, keep them engaged, and there, there, there's so many new things coming out, too, because uh, with monitoring calls being the most common practice, uh, today, uh, we need to address multiple channels of communication. In addition to the phone, there's email, web chat, uh, now there's social media, Twitter, Facebook, texting. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, not to mention newer or changing laws and requirements regarding uh, recording and storage of interactions. Uh, Lisa, what are your thoughts there? You know, there is a, a lot of technology that's out there that can help with that. Um, and it, it, as long as you know where you're going and what you want to accomplish, you can pretty much figure out, you know, where is it that the technology is that's, that's going to help you. Um, I mean, there is all kinds of, <clears throat> excuse me, analytic type software. Um, you know, there is just the recording software that you can have. 
as long as you know exactly what you're going for, that sort of software is going to be able to help you get there. And again, that's where you need to make sure that you align with what your company's objectives are. Because if they want to know, you know, they say, you know, we're into all this social media. We want to know what's going on from the, the Twitter perspective or Facebook or whatever else might be out there. You know, you have to look at it in a way of how are you going to capture that? That's probably not something that you're going to want to have somebody sit down and try to monitor or listen to. You're going to want to bring some technology in to help you out with that. Um, and that's where you need to keep that open mind, know exactly where your company is going, what the objectives are, and you can tie that together to help you out. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we're working uh, on a project right now uh, just with regard to the maturity level of technology for call centers. And in the future, more and more of it is going to be aimed at the things you were just talking about, the social media monitoring, uh, using technology to filter uh, through, you know, thousands of communications electronically and uh, and also just find patterns and, and positives, negatives, all that sort of thing, and then be able to drive that information back to the call center and ultimately, in certain cases, to the individual agent. So, I know. Uh, We've come yeah. a long way. I remember the days when we had uh, three or four tape recorders set up at everyone's desk just trying to, you know, <laughs> capture some interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, things have come a long way. Well, we we all agree there are many demands on, on call centers, uh, not only to deliver that, you know, really memorable customer experience, but improve customer loyalty, increase sales, uh, share customer insights, you know, all while reducing costs and increasing efficiencies. Um you know, can you talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that as well? I think what what you need to do is really, and again, I'm going to go back to making sure that you've got a very well-defined strategy because it's the senior leadership team that has to be able to see that your quality process is going to help achieve the goals of the organization. Because if you don't have that support, you're going to, your QA process is going to stay siloed. And by aligning with those objectives, hopefully your QA objectives and your strategy is going to become more of the center strategy. And you're going to get the supervisor's help, and you're going to get workforce management to help out with you as well because everyone's going to see how you're aligned. Uh, let me just give you an example. Um, the traditional approach to call monitoring is you listen to calls, evaluate them, score them, provide the feedback and coaching. The biggest challenge centers run into is there's no time to do it. You know, monitoring is important, but it's usually not urgent, so it gets pushed down on that list of priorities. Well, if you've aligned that process to what the goals and objectives are of the organization, you should be able to get some support. You need to look at, well, who is supposed to be doing the monitoring? Why is it getting pushed down on the, you know, low end of their priority list? If it's really important and it's going to help accomplish some goals, well, maybe you need to look at rearranging the accountabilities for an individual who is responsible for doing the monitoring. Maybe it requires the creation of a separate team. If you've aligned that goal to the business organizations, you're gonna, it's going to be easier to get the support you need. Um, it could be perhaps maybe it's a matter of putting some measurements associated with it. People are going to do what they're measured on and what they're reviewed upon. So maybe there needs to be some measurements put into place and new accountabilities set up. None of that is, or I should say none of it, but it is going to be very hard to accomplish that if you're in your own little bubble and you haven't aligned yourself with your center and up onto the goals of the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, just wanted to uh, mention to everyone, too, that uh, we're going to be opening this up to your questions. And uh, so any listener who would like to press 1 on your phone and let Brian know you have a, a question, that would be great, or write it in the chat area on uh, Call Talk TV. And, Brian, do you have a question there for us uh, that came in uh, electronically? I sure do, you guys. Uh, the first one is from Larry, and this is a, a long one. So how do you overcome agent resentment and get them to buy into the value of a quality program when nitpicky, big brother, and not fair are common perceptions? Good question. <laughs> yes, very good question. Okay, what do we say to Larry on that one? You know, we've we've all heard it. You know, you're you're looking for things. You're dinging me. Um, I think the most important thing, and we touched on it briefly, is establishing that relationship first off. You know, establishing it to say we're here to help you. We're not here just to get get you down. Um, but I think nitpicky. I think if we can talk about that a little bit, that becomes a struggle because I'm sure we've all been there. You know, had those discussions and those arguments about. How many times do you need to say a person's name in the phone call in order to get a scored, you know, yes on your form? You don't want to get into discussions like that. You want to make sure what you're measuring really matters. You know, if, if it doesn't matter, then why do you have it on your form? That's where you could get into trouble. I mean, I've even seen forms where, you know, it can say, you know, what was the pace your articulation, everything that has to do with the vocal tone, and you're trying to measure each one of those things. That's where you can get stuck in that it's really nitpicky. The agents don't see the value of where you're going with this, and you need to relook at your form and really make sure you've got that form set up and designed in a way that it communicates, here's the behavior, this is why we're doing it, this is what it sounds like, this is how we'd like you to do it. It has to be very well defined as to why you're rating them on all these things, or they are going to have resentment, and they're going to say, well, you're being too picky. Right. Well, one other thing, too, Lisa, that we found, and, and Larry, this may be helpful to you, is that there's really um, two major categories of uh, things that are on a typical scoring form. Those are the soft elements, that has to do with the uh, you know relationship and the, the way you're treating the customer, and the other are the hard elements are those things that have to do with policies. Is the information actually correct? Uh, that's what we call the hard element. And if it's possible for you to have a post-call survey that uh, is able to get driven right down to the agent level, and now there's in, inexpensive technology that allows you to do that then um, it's really good because it takes off the plate all of those things that are uh, oftentimes perceived as nitpicky in terms of the soft elements because the customer is going to do that rating for you. Uh, leaving, of course, for quality uh, assurance the hard elements, which still have to be determined by the call center and can't be determined by the, the customer because you could have made the customer very happy but told him or her exactly the wrong thing. So, uh, But if you're able to take those things off the table or mostly off the table by giving most of that work to the customer, well, after all, we'll do it for free. Um, that's another way to attack the problem. Uh, Lisa, any comments on that before we go uh, to our next one? I just know that, you know, when you, when you are just dealing with the hard elements, it's so mm -hmm. much faster. So it takes away some of the issues you have with time because it's much easier to go through when you're just looking at the hard elements and not having to make a judgment as to whether somebody did something or didn't do something. 
Right. And, and actually, this is one of the things that you can use to convince your senior management that it's worth the price of the new technology needed to get these post-call surveys because, uh, as Lisa's saying, it, it's the uh, soft elements that uh, monitors oftentimes end up going back and forth over and over again because they want to make sure that they get it right and don't get criticized by the agent. Uh, whereas the hard elements, they can just go through once and they know whether something's been violated or not. So there is definitely a return on that investment that can be calculated uh, more or less accurately and, and brought to senior management. Uh, so that's one of the things you might want to do. Uh, Brian, you've got uh, some fresh uh, questions. I sure do, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to ask some great questions here. This next one comes from uh, Tara W. question is, do you think putting a number as a score is the best way to show how an agent has performed on a call? Boy, what do you think? Well, I think n numbers are good from a measurement standpoint because uh, it, it allows you to see trending. But from my my personal, um, I guess, opinion would be, I just like to say, you know, yes or no. Did you do it or did you not do it? And not give a score of like a one, two, or a three on whether or not you did this particular, you know, skill or behavior that you've identified. It's subjective enough, and it's just to me, easier to say, yes, you did it, or no, you didn't do it. But on the other hand, you have to make sure that you're very calibrated within your team so everyone is seeing that in the same way. So I like an overall score. I like to be able to measure how you did. But from an individual score, you know, looking at the individual categories or the skills and behaviors, it's pretty much more of a yes, no is my preference. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think you covered uh, the basis pretty well there. I mean, there's uh, pluses and minuses to both sides. And I know some uh, centers will also use the ABCD type of thing because we're used to that in terms of uh, scoring back from when we're in, in school. But, uh, of course, uh, letters either have to be turned into numbers in order to be, uh, you know, averaged or, or else it's best just to use the, the number if you need to get that information and to be able to use uh, trending information, as you indicated. Right. So uh, good. hopefully, Tara, that uh, gives you something to chew on and so that you can uh, sort of take it to your situation and, and make the best choice. Yeah, if I could uh, add one thing to that as well, Bruce, if you wouldn't mind. If you're going to have more than one score that you can provide to something like an A, B, C, or D, or a, you know, does not meet expectations, meets some expectations, you know, exceeds expectations, you have to make sure you define for the agents what each one of those it's like, and that can be very time-consuming. And again, that's where you fall back into that. You're very nitpicky and can start working on that negative culture again. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm okay. Good. Yeah. And another reason, where if at all possible, uh, you can lay off the soft elements onto the uh, uh, customer. That's that's the best thing. And and of course, the thing that's nice too is if you do a post-call survey, you're able to get those numerical feedback uh, numbers but then also an open-ended question at the end, which we consider best practices, which is, you know, uh, do you have any other comments on the call or what is one thing we could have done uh, to improve the quality of the call? Then all that brought back to the uh, agent really does have much more of a sense of uh, trying to develop the, the agent and make the agent as good as possible for the customer and not just uh, simply for the, the monitor, if you will. Right. Uh, and and the customer feedback seems to be much more believable than if it's right. you know someone sitting across the room 
listening to my phone call and evaluating it. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, Brian, we've got another one? That's right. Uh, we've got one of our uh, listeners from uh, Minneapolis. Molly, you are live. What's your question? Um, my question is, how many monitors a month are needed to make a successful quality program? Okay, Molly. Let's uh, engage Molly in that conversation. What do you? What would you say to that, Lisa? Uh, you know, that, that question comes up almost every time you have a discussion about monitoring. And uh, it... It's really hard to put a, a number on it. I think what you need to do is just determine what works best because if you can get, let's say, only four done in a given month, well, then good. Get four done. Make sure you're consistent. Look at your measures and make it the best as possible. You know, If you can get six done a month, if you can get 12 done a month, whatever it is that you're capable of doing, you've got valuable information. And I wouldn't worry so much about, oh, four is not enough. Oh, is 12 enough? Do we need? Because really, you would need to do probably 20 or 30 calls per person every month if you wanted to get a statistically uh, valid sample. You're really just looking to get a sense of what's happening, what's the trending, and really provide a good sense of here's what we think the performance is going on in the call center. Yeah, no, good input there. And I, I think, too, Molly, if you have the advocate, coach, you know, champion type of uh, attitude toward these things, then uh, one other thing you might want to do is consider the fact that uh, new agents probably need more monitors than uh, seasoned agents. And uh, they shouldn't see that as a burden. They should see that as a development opportunity if you bring it across to them the right way. So it could be that early on there you're doing 10 for certain of your uh, uh, agents, whereas for some of your long-term agents, maybe it's just a couple of, of them uh, a week or a month. Molly, can I just ask, how many do you do uh, currently? Uh, we try to do uh, three phone calls, one the agent picks, and two are random samplings. And then mm -hmm. we also try to do two to three email monitors every month. Okay. And uh, the reason that you uh, allow the agent to pick some of them, does the agent actually get to listen to them ahead of time, or how does that picking take place? Um, basically what the agent does is if they have a call that either went really well or went really, really bad, they can get the feedback from our quality coach to tell, help them guide them through the call, you know, what they could have done, what they could have said to mm -hmm. help avoid uh, uh, an unpleasant outcome. I got you. And do you find that uh, agents are pretty uh, upfront in terms of referring those interactions that went poorly so that they can get uh, some good coaching on them? Yes. we. Uh, the, it was actually a program that we started up late last year, and the agents really, really enjoy it because then they get some input. And that's actually not one of the, the calls that goes against their quality score. It's one that they, are, you know, they can point out and use for, for coaching for future reference. Okay, very interesting. Lisa, what would you uh, what else would you ask Molly or, or say to Molly on this? I would just I think that's fabulous. That's very empowering to the agents. It makes them feel more um ownership not only of their own performance but ownership of the process as well and a great way to get them engaged. You know, and again I would say just whatever numbers you decide on, be consistent with it and make sure that you always deliver uh from that perspective. Okay, great. Uh, Brian, do we uh, thank you very much, Molly. Uh, Brian, do we have another question? Yes, we do. Uh, our next caller is calling in from Pennsylvania. Madeline, you are live. 
Thank you so much, and thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to ask quickly how to change a behavior without doing exactly what you said where you said, um, because I'm the supervisor, I told you to do it. One of the things we're trying to do is transition into a service sales culture and trying to help our agents upsell. And, you know, so far we have a um, – We've added a new form, a, a new field to the form, and we're asking our agents and coaching them, you know, to try to make the sale, how to do it. But, I mean, where is the point where you just say you didn't do it, and because of that we cannot mark you that, that you did get it? You know, like what's the transition where it just becomes um, we have to start saying, no, you understand it, no, you received the training, no, you received the tips, it's wrong, you didn't do it right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good, good question, Madeline. Uh, Lisa, what would you say to that? And, and there are more and more environments that are going toward a service-slash-sales environment as well so that uh, the call center can add that extra value. But, uh, Lisa, t- over to you. Uh, you know, you get to a certain point where, and it sounds like you've already done this, where you've pretty much documented to say, here it is, here's what the expectation is, we've given you some some training, we're listening to your calls. We're trying to coach you. You just have to draw a line in the sand, you know, pretty much to say this is it. From this point on in time, if we don't hear these things, it's going to start working against you. Changing what you're doing and moving from the service to sales environment is going to be tough because the people you originally hired, probably you weren't looking for those behaviors that would lead to being a sales-type person. So getting the people that you have now that are more service-oriented into that sales, some people will bridge the gap, and unfortunately some people won't. And it sounds like you're almost at that point where you just have to pretty much put the onus on the person to say, you know, here's what the job expectation is now, and uh, just continue to try to coach them and encourage them to build those behaviors and skill sets. Right. Okay. I just say very quickly that uh, we found in studies that the personality type overlap between the service personality and the sales personality is only between 10 and 20 percent. So uh, the one thing that you can try to do with those people is convince them uh, that the uh, what they're doing when they're selling is actually providing service-oriented information, a real service to the customer, and that you're not they're not trying to do a hard sell. They're actually doing something good for the customer. Uh, Madeline, does, does that sound like it's a useful advice for you? It absolutely does. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, Brian, do we have another caller? Yes, we do, you guys. The next one is uh, a caller from Florida. Megan, you are live. Hi. We were just wondering, we have an existing monitoring process in our call center we've had for about two years, but now we're switching to um, a system called Call Copy that will record all of our phone calls. We were just wondering if you could offer some advice on how to, how to smoothly implement this. Are there any road roadblocks that we should be aware of or things we can do to get better acceptance from our reps and managers that we support? Lisa? Um, could you explain a little bit more as to what you're doing? You're, you're first moving initially just to a call recording, and you haven't had that before? Correct. We've been monitoring live calls for the last two years without recording. I think one of the best things you could do is actually record some calls and then share them, especially, you know, the agents that are actually being recorded. Have them listen to their own calls. You know, bring some calls into a management session and say, here's, you know, what we're able to hear in the calls. Here's what we're going to accomplish with it. And, again, tie it to the 
the, the goals of the organization. Um, but the, the, the main thing is, is get it out in front of the agents, have them listen to their calls, you know, avoid that whole thing of, oh, it's the big brother listening to the calls, and have them say, hey, you can listen to these, be part of this process, because we're here to help you, and this is a tool that's going to help us in coaching you so you can be the best um, in your job. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Megan, thank you for the question. I think it's uh, it's one that a lot of people have, and uh, as, you know, the technology gets better, as you sort of move through different phases in technology, and then uh, how to do this sort of thing, it really uh, is it's a learning experience. It's a learning process. Well, listen, we've gone over our uh, a lot of time here, but I think it's been a really great session. I want to thank you very much, Lisa, for being with us, and um, uh, thank all of our listeners and contributors for, for, for contributing as well. Lisa, any final thoughts? Uh, just I have really enjoyed this, and I have appreciated all the calls and questions that have come in. Thank you so much. Okay, over to Brian. All right, you guys. Well, thanks so much. Uh, a really good show today for sure. So, Lisa Corteau, thanks for joining us today. Bruce Belfiore, good job as always. It is now time to give away our free in-depth reality check to one of our listeners, and that is going to go out today to Molly. So, Molly, please email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com so that I can get that to you. And, uh, again, congratulations. I want to thank you for listening in to uh, Call Talk today and make sure that you join us February 16th when we bring in industry expert Bill Durr from Verit, will he be joining us to talk about workforce optimization, analytics demystified. So, of course, don't forget to sign up for our free reality check and see how your call center compares to others in your industry. And our in-depth reality check benchmark report takes, obviously, a much deeper dive into call center metrics and is free today again for Molly. Don't forget to email me so I can get that to you. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have yourself a great day.